Well, good morning, Cornerstone Church. <laughs> good morning. So excited to be with you today. I want to welcome all of you who are watching online. And those of you here in the building, welcome. Yes. My name is Will Hutcherson. This is Dr. Chen Wei. And you might be saying, well, why are you here and who, y who are you? Well, <laughs> we'll tell you why we're yes, here. Yes, but first, I love that so much. The struggle is real, but so is God. Amen? Yeah. Amen. Amen. So welcome, Cornerstone. My name is Dr. Chenway Williams. I hail from Atlanta, Georgia. Anybody familiar with the Atlanta area? Yeah, Woo! Atlanta go dogs, go Braves, go Hawks-ish. <laughs> Roll Tide, I don't know. Okay, so I am a clinical mental health therapist. I've been practicing for almost 20 years, and I'll tell you a little bit about that, yes. And I'm also a wife to my husband, Lonnie. We met at the University of Georgia, and the mother of three beautiful kids. Jalen is 19. She's about to start her sophomore year of college in like two weeks, which just blows my mind. Brayden is 11 and Noah is seven years old. And I am just thrilled to be with you today because let me tell you what I get to do, especially with this guy over here. Will and I travel all across the country talking about mental health. And I am personally passionate as a mental health therapist to have these conversations in a way that feels safe and supportive because if we're honest, sometimes the conversations come with the level of misunderstanding, shame, and stigma. So I'm grateful for Cornerstone for creating this mental health series because we are so behind the eight ball sometimes as a church, right? We're behind when it comes to talking about mental health because this is an issue that strikes so many of us across all developmental phases and it's really important. Yeah, and so my background is I've been a pastor for over 15 years, predominantly working with students and uh, the next generation, so as a next-gen pastor. I've worked in small churches uh, with five students in my student ministry when I was in Bible college. I had five <laughs> students in my student ministry. Three of them were brothers, so uh, it was one family and a couple friends. And, uh, and so then I've worked in large churches, large multi-site churches, and so that's, that's been my background the last 15 years. And um, one of the things that I started to notice is that there was a shift in our culture, just like Dr. Chin Wei was talking about, that in the early days of the early 2000s in, in my ministry, it was, as a student pastor, it was all about sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Like that's, that's what we were preaching to teenagers. And then something started to shift in the mid-teens, like around 2015, 2016, we started to see huge skyrocketing uh, results of anxiety and despair. And it just seemed like mental health was becoming so prominent that the, the challenges that the next generation was facing weren't necessarily the challenges that we were facing yeah. as we were growing up and things were changing. And at first as a, a pastor, I think I was just uh, you know, concerned, yes. uh, but then eventually became alarmed at just the rate of how things were moving. Yeah. And as a pastor, I knew I had these spiritual tools. Like if you're familiar with church, you've been around church, if you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you know that there is power in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. There's power in prayer. Yes. There's power in the truth of scripture. Yes. And I had these tools, but I also had these students who were facing these, the, this grip of depression or anxiety or, or even despair. And parents were saying, well, what can I do? And it just felt like just saying, well, pray more. 
felt like we were missing something. That yes, there's power in prayer, but there was another component that I seemed to be missing as a pastor. And what I found and what I started to take some steps in is recognizing that we have a brain that is a physical element as well. That it wasn't just the spiritual tools, but there were some practical tools. Where do we get this from, by the way? (laughs) Faith in action together. And I started to realize that there were some action pieces that I could begin to incorporate and tell parents and leaders on how they could take some healthy steps to promote healing in the brain. So we jumped into the the research. That journey eventually led me to my friend, Dr. Chin Wei, and we started to dive into the research of how we know God's wired our brains and the neuroscience between this hardwiring that God has designed. And what we found was that there are some very practical things on the physical side that we can incorporate to promote healing in the brain when we're facing mental health challenges. In addition and to the spiritual side. In addition yes. to the spiritual things. So, yes. which is what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk a lot about the spiritual and the practical and how they converge together. Um, I'm also a parent, by the way. So I, uh, like Chin Wei, I have three kids. I, my wife and I, Ariane, have a 12-year-old boy. He's in middle school. Any parents of middle schoolers watching online or here in the audience, middle schoolers? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Are you nervous to raise your hands? Or? Woo! Yeah, I, I feel you, you know? It's like, it's just, it's, it's a season. It is a season, you know? And middle schoolers, if you're in the room, you're like, why are you dogging on us? Listen, it's not you, it's us. It's us. At least that's what you tell us. Um, <laughs> I get it. No, I, I love my middle schooler. He's, he's a good, he's, he's awesome. But his name is Liam. And then I have a, a, a nine-year-old, Reese, and I have a five-year-old named Kinsley. And so my, my middle child, Reese, is my sassy kid, um, which is pretty, pretty, you know, stereotypical. You expect the middle child to be sassy. She's always been a little spicy, you know, ever, even when she was younger. And there's something that Reese did when she was three that's kind of always stuck with me because I think it sets up even part of the conversation today and even tonight. And, and it, it really was, it just stuck with me for a long time. And when, when she was three, I was, um, I was doing something that you probably have never done. I was ignoring my kids. <laughs> and I was scrolling through my phone, probably buying something on Amazon I didn't need. Right? This is like true confession time right now. Like, what do we do on our phones? Like, side note, by the way, as parents, we always get on our kids about wasting time on electronics, but then we're on electronics, but our stuff is always important, right? (laughs) It's like, I'm doing something important. So I was doing something important. And uh, she comes up to me and she goes, Dad, Dad, Daddy. And at the daddy part, uh, she finally got my attention. I go, yes, Reese, but I never looked up from my phone. (laughs) Appreciate the feedback. (laughs) This guy over here, he's like, whoa, bad move, guy, you know? It's okay. Well, so I didn't look up from my phone. Instead, I said, yes, Reese. And all of a sudden, this tiny little three-year-old hand grabs my chin. She pulls it towards her face, and she goes, look at me. She had never done that before. And in that moment, I had a choice. I I could remind that three-year-old to be patient, or I could let that three-year-old remind me to be present. And I chose to be present in that moment. But what stuck with me was there's something about a toddler that's so raw and real. Like, all their emotions are, like, right in your face. 
And I think what Reese was exhibiting in that moment wasn't that she just needed to be acknowledged, she needed to be seen. She needed to be seen on a deeper level. And that is true, not just for a three-year-old, that is true for all of us. We all have a desire to be seen. It is central to the human soul. We have two great needs in our life, especially as we talk about and frame up this conversation on mental health. The first one is that we need to be seen by our Heavenly Father. We have a need to be seen by our Heavenly Father, to be connected with God. And the second one is that we need to be seen by one another. So it is possible to be filled with faith. It's possible to be a follower of Jesus and yet still struggle with the mental health challenge. Because it doesn't mean that we have a lack of faith. It doesn't mean that God doesn't love us. It doesn't even mean that we don't feel seen by God. There could be some other factors there. But when we are seen by God, and when we are seen by others, we can actually promote mental health and we can promote healing. So this morning, as we talk about these things, we're gonna talk about ways that you can help those around you, but we're also gonna talk about your own mental health. Yes. How can you kind of get some brain boosters in your life to help your mental health to promote forward. For those of you who are parents and grandparents and caring adults, I wanna invite you to come back tonight because we're gonna dive super deep into helping the next generation or those around you when they're dealing with anxiety and despair. And if you don't have time to come back tonight, you could always uh, pick up the book Scene. We have it available in the lobby here uh, at this location, or you can go to Amazon and pick it up because there's just some really good practical things that we put in there that I think you'll find very valuable. But as we frame up this conversation of what do we do when we're spiraling out? What do we do when we're facing a mental health challenge or someone that we love is facing a mental health challenge? What are some steps that we can take? So we're gonna give you three foundational ideas on this conversation of mental health. Yes, and the first big idea that's really foundational is recognizing that mental health matters and that mental health isn't probably what we immediately think of. So if I were to pose the question to you right now, what comes to mind when you hear the concept or the words mental health? I'll give you a moment just to notice what comes up, right? So maybe some of you think of the term mental illness, and along those same lines, maybe you think of the word crazy or out of control. If we're really being honest, those terms come up, right? But maybe some of you are actually thinking of something or someone a little bit more personal. Maybe you have a family member or someone that you're teaching or leading, or maybe you're thinking about yourself. And maybe the terms or the conditions, depression, popped up in your mind, or anxiety, or OCD, or bipolar. Well, you would all be right. Those are the words that come up in the conversation. But what I want to offer to you is that mental health is an overall part of health and wellness and well-being. And it encompasses two main ideas, in my opinion. It's how well we manage our moods and how well we manage our relationships. So let's start with mood. So mental health has to do with the way that we adapt and function during different life situations and circumstances, right? So in this life, there will be trouble. We know that. We've experienced that in the last two to three years. We have taken some of us hit after hit after hit. 
So what happens after we take those hits? Well, unless you're, you're you know, Robotron or Megatron, you're gonna fall down. You're gonna fall down. And so mental health asks the question, well, how long am I gonna stay down? How long am I gonna stay down? Do I have anybody that's gonna help me up? And the quicker we're able to get back up, because that's part of life, is facing adversity and getting back up, that speaks to our mental health. But mental health needs to be normalized, my friends, for ourselves, for our culture, for the next generation. And it's important to realize that mental health is actually something that exists on a continuum. So think about it for a minute. On two extremes, right, on one extreme, rather, there is mental, probably, illness. There are crises that we've all experienced. There's that thing that happened in our life that was unexpected, took us by surprise, knocked us down, and yes, we had to stay down for just a little while. And maybe right before that, there was a period of despair, maybe after the loss of a loved one, or you know, the pain of being overlooked for a promotion when you know that you have worked so hard and your family needs the additional income. You could get into despair. And then on the other end of the spectrum, right, there is optimal mental health where, yes, the hits keep coming, but you're able to jump back up and face it, and sometimes face it with a hallelujah, and we got this. And by the way, our family is stronger as a result of it. But I want to tell you that throughout our lifetime, we're going to be on various points of the continuum of mental health, and that's okay. But the relationship, now let's talk about that, matters. Optimal mental health asks the question, to what degree are your most important relationships satisfactory? To what degree do they bring you support, right? and connection, and that word connection is really important. So when you fall down, and you will, and if you stay down for a little while, that's what experts call psychological distress, and that's what I call mental ill health. But friends, it's temporary. When you're down there, are you able to reach out to that hand that's reaching out to you, grab hold of it, and know that you're gonna be okay. So mental health matters, emotional health matters, and this is a larger talk, but I've gotta say this, if we push down our emotions as uncomfortable and awkward as they are, the research is really clear that that can lead eventually to not just psychological distress, but physical distress and over time, friends, spiritual distress. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about the spiritual side of things. Yeah, you might be wondering, like, how does mental health fit within the context of my faith? Like, maybe you've grown up in church or you've been around church for a while and you're kind of, maybe this whole conversation about mental health is kind of new to you. You're like, you know, back in my day, we didn't have this stuff, you know? And I think we did. We just didn't frame it in the way of our understanding now. But we have to understand that mental health is spiritual. Like, it, it, it's a, our brain is a part of our body, and it's, it is spiritual. There's a spiritual component to it, but it's also physical. So it's not just spiritual, and it's not just physical. The brain is this unique place where the spiritual and the physical converge together, right? I mean, think about it. Like, my physical beating heart is just a physical beating heart. My lungs are just my lungs. Uh, they don't have thoughts. They don't have feelings. They don't pray. 
But all of that kind of functions within the brain. So the brain is this unique place. But it still very much is a physical entity, an organ of our body, and it's also spiritual. Now, here's the cool thing. The cool thing is, is as we've learned more about how God's wired our bodies, and we've learned more about the neuroscience and research, guess what? Research is pointing to our ancient ways, that there are things that, that Jesus has modeled for us, that scriptures model for us, that are actually really good brain boosters. So when we follow Jesus, we already have some amazing tools that help our mental health. Yes. That's good news, yes. right? So yes. this doesn't go in opposite direction of our faith. It works in tandem with our faith. Let me give you a few examples of this. So we know that love is a big part of following Jesus, right? Like, we want to love others, love our neighbors, love God with all of our heart, right? First John, First uh, John 4, 8 says, whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. So our God, our big, massive, amazing God who created this universe with just his speech, that God says he is love, that there's a core attribute of who he is. So when we exhibit love, we're exhibiting a core attribute of who God is. Well, guess what? We know that love is powerful in promoting healing in the brain when somebody's experiencing despair or high anxiety. So love is a brain booster. Yes. Well, that's good news. Yes. We know that giving empathy and connection is so valuable to helping others to heal. We also know that empathy is found in the Bible. Paul writes it this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. He says, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern, that concern word there that I want you to pay attention, for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. That's an empathy thing. That's a saying like, I see you in the pit and I'm gonna be with you. Yeah. I feel what you're feeling. Another way that Paul writes it in another point in scripture, he says, mourn with those who mourn, rejoice with those who rejoice. So there's that empathy and that connection really matters. Well, guess what? Research is showing that that's a powerful brain booster. It's good for our mental health. So when we follow the ways that Jesus has laid out in scriptures, then we can see how this promotes our mental health. I'll give you a few more. Prayer. Prayer is powerful. Amen? Amen. Prayer is powerful. And prayer connects us with God because it helps change our perspective. It gets us off, our eyes off the problem and our eyes on our big, great God. But here's what we also know. There's researchers who are looking at brain scans of when people are praying and finding that prayer helps. Not just spiritually, but physically, prayer helps. So prayer is powerful. We know that worship is pretty powerful. Yes, that's not the point of worship. The point of worship is for us to worship God and glorify him and kind of point our heart towards what we value most to remove the idols in our life and focus our attention and our soul on him. But when we talk about musical worship, we know that music influences the brain in a powerful way and can help us to, once again, boost our brain in a positive direction. I think of Psalms 33 too, praise the Lord with a harp and make music to him on the 10 stringed lyre. I don't know what a lyre is, but I imagine <laughs> it had 10 strings. <laughs> Silence and solitude. Yeah. Now, the psychological word for this would be mindfulness. And if you've heard that and you're like, I don't want any of that new agey mindfulness stuff, well, let me just pause for a minute and tell you that you already do it. Yeah. 
you already do it naturally. Not, not the, the weird stuff, but silence and <laughs> solitude is a form of mindfulness. Uh, it's a form of getting still, reducing the distractions. The way that I like to think of this is Psalms 46.10. Be still and know that I am God. Sometimes the knowing he is God only comes in the stillness. With being present with our Heavenly Father and being present with our, ourselves. That when we stop and we pause and we say, God, this is how I'm feeling, this is where I am, that we feel seen by God even more, that there's a stillness. And we know that this is a powerful brain booster. We know that gratitude, this is the last one I'll give you. Gratitude is, is huge. We see multiple examples in scripture to be grateful, to have thanksgiving, to pray with thanksgiving even. Specifically, 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So we know one of God's wills for us is gratitude. And guess what the research is showing? Gratitude is a huge brain booster. It changes our perspective. It gets our eyes off the problem, and it helps us to move up to a place of hope. So when we talk about living out our faith in the context of mental health, the good news is that the ancient ways are actually pretty powerful in themselves. And so we, we work in tandem with some of these other things that we're learning, that yes, it's also a physical thing. If I'm having a heart attack on this stage, I hope I don't, but if I do, my hope would be that you guys wouldn't run up here and say, we better get you to the pastor so he could pray for you. <laughs> my hope would be, we're gonna get you to the hospital, and by the way, we're gonna all start praying for you, right? Yeah. That it's faith in action working together. That if there's a physical ailment, we have the faith to know that we're gonna take steps. We're gonna see our doctors, we're gonna take some medicine because we understand that God is a God of means. All healing comes from Jesus. Amen. I believe that. There is healing power in Jesus' name. God is the source. We know all good things come from above. So again, that doesn't change it. it just, we just have to create some space that understanding that there's some practical things, brain-boosting things that also matter. So when it comes to the brain, yes, it is our faith steps, the ancient ways, but it also may mean that there's some medicine involved at times, depending on your journey. It may mean that therapists or specific doctors are involved in these brain-boosting ways to promote healing. So all of these things work together. They don't work in opposites, they can actually work together. Last thing I'll say, is for those of you who are parents, and you may say, well, what's the first step? I believe maybe one of the first steps is to simply get your kids to church. Just get them to church. It's not the only step, but that's a good step because we know that there is power in these faith ways that we have, and we wanna model that, and we wanna create the environments. Well, my kid doesn't wanna go to church. Okay, I'll tell you what I've told dozens of parents. Make them go to church. <laughs> you make them go to school. <laughs> so, so make them go to church. Um, create the environments. They need positive yes. environments yes. to continue to cultivate these positive things. Yes, I love that. And the last big idea is about connection. Connection cures. 
But the problem with despair is even when you have a loving, supportive individual who's right there to help you up, you don't see it. You feel like you're failing. You feel like you have to figure it out yourself. So I want to give you an illustration using um, a brain graphic of what happens in the brain when someone you love or maybe yourself is going through a high period of anxiety or despair. So let's think about the brain as having two sides. Now it has multiple sides, it has multiple parts, but for the sake of time and simplicity, let's think of it as having two sides. The logical side and the emotional side. So the logical side of the brain, typically it's the left side of the brain, right? houses reason and rational thought and organization and systems and strategy, right? This is the part of the brain that typically we get rewarded for in school or at work or in our society, right? We kind of know what to predict, we can predict things and we know what to do next. Now, the right side of the brain or the emotional side of the brain is where a lot of big, powerful emotions live. Emotions like fear, aggression, and trauma, but also love, love. And there's a structure in the back side of the brain, we call it sort of like the prehistoric part of the brain called the amygdala. And you guys, this is the alarm system. Whenever we feel a sense of threat, whenever we feel a lack of safety, that alarm goes off and we go into action mode. But when we're able to kind of logically process something that happens on the right side of the brain, right? So let's say we're on a major highway and someone sort of swerves in, the, in our lane and we're like, oh my gosh, what's gonna happen? Like, this is awful. But we sort of click on our left side of the brain and we know what we need to do, but we're mad. But then we say, gosh, what if that person was rushing to the hospital to get their pregnant wife? into a safe place to deliver the baby, then we calm down. So when both sides of the brain are working in an optimal fashion, they're sort of responding to each other and it makes sense. Let me tell you what happens in a brain that is filled with anxiety and despair. There's a barrier that takes place. The right side has hijacked the functioning of the left side. There's all this excess emotional energy that makes it difficult for us to calm down when someone calls us, let's say we're seven years old and someone calls us fat or stupid. I'm hearing a lot from parents that kids are feeling really badly about themselves because of what one or two people said about who they are. Or you are a teenager and you're on Instagram and you discover that someone is having a party. Wait a minute, that's my friend group. Those are my friends and I'm not invited. So when you're in a place of despair, you're not able to say, you know what, I'm gonna be okay. You know what, maybe they're not my real friends or maybe I've got some other things going on for me. It's more difficult to do, it, to do this because of that barrier. And some philosophers call this despairing as the dark night of the soul, where you feel numb and if someone asks you, well, how are you doing? You say, I don't know, how are you feeling? I feel nothing. My friends, maybe some of you have been there and it's a difficult place to be, but I want you to know God has created in his infinite wisdom a cure for this and it's called connection. 
and through the hormone oxytocin, and we're gonna dig deeper tonight, so I hope you come back. We'll tell you the unique steps that you can take to make this happen, but through oxytocin, we can heal despair, anxiety, and trauma through connection, and God did this because God is a God of relationship who designed us to be in relationship. And so there's a proverb, Proverbs reminds us of this, right? about the strength and the safety in a multitude of counselors. That's really important. A nation falls when there's not wise counsel, and there's an abundance of victory with wise counsel, and so that counselor doesn't have to have a degree or a license. That counsel can be you. Yeah. Connection is a big part of the solution. And like Chin Wei said, we're going to be back tonight and talking about that more in detail. And there's five specific connection tools that are really, really practical that we are so excited to share with you. And I wish we had time to do it this morning, but we don't because you guys got lunch planned. So we're going to get going. <laughs> but maybe you're wondering, like, how did we get here in the first place? Like, how did we get to this point? Because when I was growing up, you know, kids didn't talk about this. If you're over the age of 50, chances are you can't even think of someone in your high school that contemplated or completed suicide. Mm. So these mental health challenges just feel like they came out of nowhere in some degree. And the reality is, is that, yeah, lots change in our culture. A lot's change in our way of connection. And going back to what our soul needs, our soul needs to feel seen by God. Mm-hmm. And our soul needs to be seen by others. And so what steps can you take this morning? Well, first and foremost, reach out. Ask God to be your leader, your rescuer, your Lord, your savior. Maybe you're here this morning or you're watching online, you're like, but I've, I've taken so many steps away from God. I'm spiraling right now, but I don't even know how to get back to him. Friends, If you don't hear anything this morning, I hope you hear this. You can take a thousand steps away from Jesus, but it only takes one step back to him. Amen. He's never left you. He's never forsaken you. He sees you. He sees your hurt. He sees your pain. We serve a God who is empathetic to our weakness, not judgmental. So much so, he made a way for us to find strength through him, through the cross, that we could find life through him, through the cross. So I hope that you would turn your heart back to him this morning and take a step to reach out to him. The church has prayer teams. I hope you take that step to have someone pray with you. Or maybe you're here this morning and you have someone that's struggling with mental illness or a mental challenge, and you're concerned for them. Well, once again, I hope you come back tonight because we're going to give you some really practical tools. But this morning, let's start and let's pray for them. If you have somebody in mind, would you just kind of bring them to the forefront of your mind as we pray this morning? And I'd love to pray for you as you pray for them. Sound good? Let's bow our heads all across this room and online. God, thank you so much for seeing us. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for not abandoning us and leaving us. God, you are a gracious God. God, we come before you in faith, knowing that there is power in Jesus' name. And God, we pray that the stronghold of anxiety and depression and despair would be lifted. 
God, we pray that there would be healing in our brains and in those that we love. God, I pray that you would guide us in wisdom to taking wise steps in the ancient ways, but also in the practical solutions that you've given us through wise men and women. God, help us to take steps towards you and take steps towards mental health. We thank you that you've not left us, but that you love us and you see us. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. 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 Thank you, Cornerstone. Man, what an awesome time, right? Man, I hope you are so blessed. I hope that you feel more empowered and more equipped to talk about mental health with the young people and the next generation so they grow up with a better perspective. Tonight, we have an opportunity for you to come and grow and learn more. We've got a parenting workshop available. You have to register and there's childcare available for you. There's a small fee, but all you have to do to learn more or sign up for it is text workshop to the number 21999. On top of that, we have so many other resources available. We have care ministry, we have counseling, we have support groups. We have prayer teams available for you all the time. To get connected to that, all you have to do is text the word SUPPORT to 21999. And lastly, if you would like prayer right now, today, in this moment, we would love to pray with you. Just text the word PRAYER to that same number, 21999, and we will reach out today. Thanks so much for being here. Join us next week and invite a friend who needs to hear this too.